When I popped off, then your girl gave me just a little bit of lot chop. Baby, so cold, he from the north, he from the Canada. Bankroll so low, I got nothing else that I can withdraw. Ran out the dough, I shot my This is episode 57 of the Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey live from beautiful Calgary, Alberta today. It's actually like warm. We had a 40 degree change in weather over the past 24 hours. Yeah, like 24 to 48 hours. Really? Yeah. How many degrees? Like 40 degree change. And that's Celsius. So that's like a hundred Fahrenheit, yeah. right? That's a pretty good little, uh, pretty good stat, Wacy. I, I like that. That's a pretty good thing to have for the stat cast. This is a, the stat cast. <laughs> the stat cast or the stat pod? I think stat cast is better, I isn't like it? Stat cast. Welcome to the stat cast. This is, uh, yeah, at 57 already. We're doing uh, quite a few mm-hmm. these podcasts, I guess, eh? We're getting to a high number. How many do you want to do, like, overall? Do you want to get to, like, oh, spit and chickless numbers in the 300s or... I think as, lo- as long as we can provide valuable content to people that want to listen, yeah. the sky's the limit. So if we're doing like 26 podcasts, more on the StatCast, 26 podcasts per year, per year, times by 10 years would be 260 shows if we keep up our current pace. So far, we're like 2.1, uh, 2.2 years in to be at 57, right? Or is that 2.25? You lost me already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't might not be a very good show for Wacy with the stack. Not a big numbers guy. Um, you're not actually. No, I hate numbers. Oh, geez. Okay. So 260 shows would be quite a lot. We're already at 57, so we're already a fifth of the way there. We're already 20 percent of the way there. That's awesome. I can do like basic marketing math, <laughs> like market size and like market yeah market capital or cap whatever it is. You know, and you know what? 45 plus 45 equals 90 points. So today, why is it the stack cast? Because our guest, the creator of ProBullStats.com, Mr. The, the grandfather of bull riding statistics. <laughs> he he's not that old though, eh, Slade? Joining us from Louisiana today. I don't even I don't even know where you're from, Slade. What the town's called? Louisiana. That's it. Well, but it, you got like there's a city that you're at though. I don't even know where you're at right now though. Forget Covington, Louisiana. Covington, Louisiana. Okay. Never been. I've been to Monroe. That's the only one I rode a bull there one time. My first PRCA rodeo was in Monroe at a Stay Smith rodeo. I thought it was pretty cool. Is it on Pro Bull Stats? I think it actually is. (laughs) We can probably actually find that. Let's not get into our Pro Bull Stats pages because that's going to be a sick joke. (laughs) Be sad. I was I was raised in Monroe, West Monroe. Yeah, because what like West Monroe is like the nice part of town, right? And then East Monroe or just Monroe is the other. Part it's or? just the west part of town. The west part of town. Because there was one part that was a little scarier than the other part, from what I remember. Yeah, there's there's nothing that scary there. In Monroe? Okay. Nah, you've been, you've it's been kind of a unique for, place where nothing's ever happened. Okay. My first stat on Pro Bull Stats is me getting on a bull called Airtime in Goliad, Texas in March 2009, which was the day after we were in Monroe, and I got a no score. Yeah. The bull was only marked 39 points. <laughs> As you can tell, I didn't do too good. Did you ever look at these very much, Slater? Do you have like, do you have stats on Wacy and I from Pro Bowl stats? No, <laughs> probably. You you might not want to see them. <laughs> I I don't want to see my page. Ted Stoven, three for forty three on Pro Bowl Crikey. stats. But I got an eighty six on here, and then I got a seventy six and a half and a seventy eight. Is your nineties not on there? No, nope, my nineties not Dang. on there. Never happened. I guess it's not on Pro Bowl stats. Ah. Uh. Where did it happen at? Jasper, Alberta. Pro Rodeo. Ah, that might be why. 
I don't have access to everything. Just some of it, eh? So where did this, where did your idea yeah. for Pro Bowl stats come from? Well, how did that, where's the roots of the website? Uh, the entire thing is just a product of me not wanting to do tons of manual labor. Because uh, when I first started doing it, uh, I was doing a favor for Brian McDonald, who was the PRCA bull riding director at the time. And uh, I he sent me a bunch of documents, like paper documents. And I had to find a way to publish them to the internet without driving myself crazy. So I had to learn to use the databases and so forth and so on. So every improvement that's been made to it over the years has been out of a spirit of my own laziness. You know, otherwise I wouldn't have time to do all that. I'm going back to some stats. <laughs> um, Wacey Anderson, career riding percentage, two rides in 19 attempts. Average score of 72.25. Hey. Career high score, 77 and a half. Camrose. His riding percentage is 10.53%. Hey, man. Can't, there's a reason why I'm not getting on anymore. There's even a video of Wacey. There's worse. There's worse? What? What's worse? There's, there's worse riders out there, I'm sure. Yeah. That's true. There's even had, a video of Wacey. I had to quit my prime, too, so I was just on the cusp. Oh, really? That's how, that's what's I was on. My trajectory was headed upward. A 67 in Brooks, no re-ride option. And a seventy-seven and a half. We talk about that. We talk about that ride on the podcast. You, we have talked about yeah. that. <laughs> that's that's it. You you guys are young enough that you came along at a difficult time, right? Because when I went to rodeos and, and when I was really at my best, I got a statement from the PRCA that showed every rodeo I entered that year, and I did the math on it quickly, and I discovered that I rode about. 55% of my bulls or something like that. And I was so embarrassed by that that really? I wadded it up and threw it away and wouldn't tell anyone. But now I'll tell everyone. <laughs> Jeez. When, when was that, Slade? In the, in the late 80s, early 90s, late 80s, really. 1987 or 88. Huh. 55%? Yeah. That's damn good. Uh, it, was one, it was, I think, to, to give you uh, some perspective on that, I think Jim Sharp rode you know, like 99.3% of his bulls that year. Really? <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, something like that. I think he might have bucked off one time all season. That's absurd. That's crazy. Could Do you think he could still do it now? Like, what do you think Jim Sharp's riding percentage would be today? Uh, upwards of 50, but not 99.3. Not 99, but he would be, he'd still be a 50% guy. But would he be like a 60% yeah, guy? Be, like well, he would be. He would definitely have world class numbers. He would be with, uh, you know, Lockwood and Pacheco and those kind of guys. But in his day, you know, he got on a lot of bulls that were fairly easy. And if those guys got on those easier bulls, they would, you know, you would never throw them off either. So it's true because they would have a ninety percent riding percentage as well. But like Lockwood, so yeah. Lockwood's been—he's got four hundred attempts on Pro Bowl stats. And his career riding percentage is fifty-one point nine eight percent. He's even forty-five yeah. percent against the top one thousand bulls, which seems absurd too. Yeah, he got a lot better last year, actually, Jess. He improved quite a bit. Improved from already being a world champion. Previous years, yeah. Well, looking here right but, now, um, he was fifty percent. He rode fifty-one of one hundred two, and in in nineteen, he rode sixty-four percent. Yeah. Yeah. And rode more against the higher level bulls. 
Yeah, and part of that is uh, the competitive aspect there was last year, I think, you know, between him and uh, Lemmy. And and Outlaw, too. Yeah, Chase Outlaw, too. And and he's another he's another odd case. Usually guys don't, don't get a lot better, you know, but uh, Chase Outlaw did, right? Yeah, really, because he was kind of a guy before that that was kind of on the borderline. Really, like he, he wasn't really connecting on those higher-level bulls. And it was like that for quite a few years, even at the World Finals, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of a rare case. You don't see that very much. See, you see it. You don't see it going the other way either too much. Uh, it, like Silvano Alves is a good case of it going the other way. That's true, because he's had a pretty rough go the last mm-hmm. little while, hasn't he? After being a three-time right. world a, champion. He's a very average rider now. At one time, uh, there was no one could touch him. You know, huh? Well, and, and just to look back with uh, with with Outlaw, he's been to the PBR World Finals every year since 2012. 2012, his riding percentage was 42. Last year, his riding percentage was six or 50 percent. So, like eight percentage points, and we're talking we're talking 40 more bulls as well. Which, like you said, it doesn't happen that much. What do you think would change for for a guy like that? Is it something that people might not notice otherwise? Or did he like? Did he make something like make a serious change to get that much better? Or what? What do you think happened? Uh, I think coming back from his injury uh, woke him up a little bit and maybe changed his mental approach. I mean, he was better. He he uh, he got on a lot of bulls last year, maybe more than anybody else. By the end of the year, he was uh, not as good as he was at the first of the year. So I think it was just uh, the miles on him, you know. Too but many. Early in the year, he was he was as good as anyone. Uh, I think his numbers are a little for for just for last season are a little misleading. I think he was better than his numbers were. Hmm. But I, I think the end of the season caused his numbers to go down. But but he was he was a significantly better rider than he was in past before his injury, and that doesn't happen to too many guys. A lot of times, you see guys get hurt and they just don't ever come back at all or they don't come back as good as they were before. It's a tough thing to deal with a serious injury like that. Kind of separates separates guys really, doesn't well, it? So Silvano's the example there. Because he, he once he started getting hurt, because he didn't get hurt very much during his three world titles, they started getting banged up a bit and he just completely dropped off to what he was before. Well to to worse than he ever was. Yeah, before. he may have lost some motivation too after winning three million dollars. I could see that too. Where do you think where do you think he's at right now? Do you think he's almost, yeah, do you think he's almost ready to call it good or what? I I I could not tell you what goes through Silvano's mind. He he's one of the most talented bull riders I've ever seen and uh and he just not doing it now. I don't I don't know what all the motive the factors of that all would be. It's quite drastic though. Like he goes from he goes from riding 68% in 2011 to riding 38% in 2019. And even going back to like 14 was the last year he won the PBR. His riding percentage was 54.84%. But even from though, like it's 14% different from the first year he won the world. And now he's 20, 26% worse, basically based on riding percentage. And we're talking a similar amount of bulls too. It's only 20 bulls difference. That's uh, yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, and that's a good example of when when people say, 
uh, bull riding is mostly mental. That's what they mean because because obviously this is mental, right? Yeah, it has to be because it's not like a fit. Well, I guess he could physically regress a bit though. He wouldn't maybe he wouldn't be in as much shape and as good of a shape, but that would be because he doesn't mentally care as much now maybe or doesn't want to do it as bad or like you said he's won three million dollars whatever the reasons are it's got to be between his ears yeah and uh you know back in 2011 and 2012 when i was around the time i started writing the morning line and i would look at all the matchups and i i had more confidence in silvano staying on than i have in lemmy staying on now really and i mean on just any average bull yeah you could you could just about count on it Unless it was asteroid or something like that, Savannah was probably going to stay on. Huh? He, he stayed on every average bull, and just kind of like in his sleep, almost like he just did it. It wasn't even yeah a question. Could, it was like clockwork. That guy, you can count on it. I mean, his first the first year he won the world championship, he rode sixty eight percent of his bulls in the PBR, right? Yeah, which is quite yeah, remarkable. Yeah, it, that's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Is that the highest riding percentage from a world champion in the last 10 years? Uh, you know, it's really not. The season that Marchie had in 2008, I think, is the best season anyone's ever had. I haven't, haven't gone through to look at this lately, but that's the one that I think of when I think of what's the best season a guy's ever had, numbers-wise. Really? Well, but that was 12 years yeah. ago now, Slade. So that, like... We don't have to count yeah. that one. <laughs> well, so look at never him. happened. I've yeah. got it. I've got it right in front of me here. Holy shit! He rode eighty-one percent of his bulls that are were ranked in the top one thousand. Yeah, those are short round type bulls. Eighty-one percent of the short round bulls. Was Bro, that yeah. was the was the short round draft a thing that year? Uh, I think I don't know. That was right about the time they introduced it. I yeah. can't remember if it was. 2000. It was a, it was close to the same time, but he didn't benefit a lot from the from that. No, no more than anybody since has, right? True, true. Yeah. Hmm. Looking he at- just had a freakishly good year. I think the thing there was he was uh, he was the bridesmaid for a couple of years there. Yeah. Before that, he had a couple of really good years before that, and uh, in 2008, I, I guess he just decided not to let anybody else have a chance because. They didn't. Which goes back to your point about being 90% mental. It's just like he's more motivated to hold on to that number one position throughout the year after finishing second so many times. Yeah. He got yeah. on a, he got on 102 bulls at the Bill Porta for UTB level, and he rode 72%, 72.5% of them. I don't think anybody's beaten that since or before. Lockwood last year rode 66% of those bulls, and like you're going back to Silvano, his best year was 68% in 2011 at that elite level. Yeah. And that was, he only, yeah. Silvano only rode at the elite level that, that year. His entire stat line is just yeah. those elite outs. Where Marchie only years, had an extra. The years that 15. Silvano definitely benefited from the draft more than Marchie did. Because hmm. he was one of the first guys to really use that, or use that in a way. He always picked a bull that he knew he could ride, right? He wouldn't be like a guy like Mooney that would go and pick the rankest ones to make his name. No, right? not at all. What's your opinion on that? Put like putting yourself in that, in that, but putting yourself in that position. What were which direction would you go? Uh, pick a bull, you know, you can ride. 
Yeah, over over over, uh, over picking like the bushwhackers and asteroids of the world. Uh, I think I'm uh, right in the middle, fifty one way and fifty the other way on that. Because here's the thing: if you there, there's no such thing as if you want to be successful the way you're talking about those guys are successful. There cannot be any playing it safe. You can't think in a safety mode. So if you always pick bulls that you know you can ride, you're hurting yourself, your mental game part of it, I think. You know, but just by the numbers, it's much smarter to pick a bull that, you know, because any qualified ride in the short hill is better than none. They just don't ride very many bulls in the short hill. What what have you found in the stats that would be something kind of interesting that most folks might not? see on the surface level of in bull riding uh people tend i tend to look at bulls as a product of their performance plus their difficulty and i don't see anybody else asking me when people ask me all kinds of stats questions some of them are kind of silly but but when i want to know what's the what's the bull in this round that really stands out it's a bull with the highest performance plus difficulty number you know and it's almost always the case that that is the best bull so and when you're looking at a long round like in like in manchester this past weekend they had a long round that had a lot of fairly easy bulls in it or new bulls weaker than your normal long round pin but the one or two bulls in there that stood out really stood out there you know like slinging tears the bull that uh lemmy rode to win round one right and that he was, was he had the highest number there. And tell us more about this. I I I should know what you're what you mean on the. Tell me again. Like you're talking about a number where it's their like their average score plus a difficulty. Yeah, rating? on Pro Bowl stats, it comes across as their power rating, but their power rating is part performance and part difficulty. And the difficulty is factored as, as to whether they've been on <coughs> guys, you know, the top riders or not. You know, some bulls have a pretty high difficulty number, but they haven't really faced any anybody like Jeff Lockwood or any of these guys we're talking about. They're just thrown off a bunch of lesser riders, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their difficulty is not as legit as as a smooth operator, for example. So like a bull here, like uh, our bull of the year last year in Canada, homegrown from the Enos, his power rating is 74.57, which is a pretty solid power rating, really. Yes, it is. 70, 75 and up is, is very respectable. Uh, the average, I think, for uh, UTB short round bulls is around 80. Huh. And the average for all the bulls at a UTB event is around 70. So a lot of bulls that are around 75 end up in short goes regularly. Hmm. And is that, do you, you would see outliers like that here and there because, because Cody Lambert would pick different bulls based on different factors sometimes, but he would have to follow your site quite a bit. Would he not? Uh, I think he does, but, uh, that may not, he probably puts more, uh, weight on what he sees out of a bull because he sees them um, in person quite a bit too yeah right where you see them you only see their numbers so it it's kind of a 
Yeah, well, I see him. I see him in view. person a pretty good bit too. I mean, I either watch it, I either watch it on TV, or I'm at a lot of it. I'm at the finals, or I'm at some ABBI events. So I see a lot of these bulls as younger bulls. But you know, take a bull like Big Black. Big Black is always in the short go, right? But he's got a lower. Uh, he's got a reasonably low, uh, lower power rating than some of the other bulls that might be in the short go because he's Been not as ridden difficult, more. You know. Been ridden more off. Yeah, he gets ridden more off. And he's not ridden a lot, but he's you know, he's a higher performance bull, but he still is rideable. Kinda so, like a mossy oak mudslinger, like a bull they're gonna ride sometimes. Or even like a Yeah. I guess another one might be like a little yellow jacket really, because they that was one or a bruiser, like they're gonna have a little less Yeah, Mudslinger's a really good example because you couldn't really mud mudslinger was such a high performance bull, you couldn't really put him in the long go. But he was he was often a good bit easier than the bulls that he had the same performance level, you know. Huh. Short round bulls, he was one of the better bulls to have, right? So just like Big Black right. was one of the better bulls to have. They used to have a bull called uh, Gunpowder and Lit, I think, that came from Canada. Right? I got on him Todd one Braithwaite. time. He messed me up in Abbotsford. He bent my spur. He threw me against yeah. the chute so hard, he bent my spur. Yeah, yeah. But they rode that bull a lot, right? So he was, JB Mooney he was rode kind of right one to have when you would have him in a short game. Yeah. Or at the World Finals, he was at, in like that round five or six, like the Sunday long round. I remember him in, later in his career, he ended up being that, in that like Saturday long round because he was kind of borderline yep. almost, right? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. This is... Uh, yeah. And that bull was as that bull was as good as any bull going, and uh, it's just that he he had a tendency to buck with his head up. You know, he kept his head up, kept him from having a lot of drop, and that made him more rideable. So, hmm. Wacey, what are you thinking? Well, I, I kind of want to move away from like the stat talk. I just want to ask you about. Wacey uh, doesn't like stats. Well, no, it just it's there's a question. I was thinking about this on the way driving over here. It's a debate that Ted and I have had a few times on the podcast. It's like which level is it harder to win at when it comes to like oh, the PBR yeah. and the PRCA? Like just like get your insights. Let's hear on the that. stats on that. I like just before we go into that though. Billings, Montana, twenty twelve. Mooney, eighty nine points, and Slade's got a star here. Mooney, right handed. He actually has it denoted here on that ride. But <laughs> it's badass. <laughs> Mooney rode that bull for ninety two and a quarter and eighty nine and a half the same year with his left hand, and switched it up. Run with his right hand. Okay, well, what do you think, though, Slade? This is something I've asked uh, a couple guys, actually. I asked JB, I think, and I asked Cody Teal. I've asked Joe Frost, and I've got to keep asking a few other guys, but I'm curious because we're trying to make this list of the greatest bull riders of all time, and I'm wondering how to how to uh, rank these guys, but I don't think I can put very much more points on one or the other because they're both equally tough in their own ways, but I still think the PBR is a harder one to win than the PRCA at this point. But I want to, want to know what you think. I think it is, yes. It is harder to win the PBR World Championship, for sure. But Sage Kimsey should absolutely be on your list. Oh, yeah, I agree. Well, I don't really, I don't really look at it that way. As uh, he did all of this in the PRCA, I look at each individual. How many of these kind of bulls has he been on? And obviously, Sage has been on fewer of them than the other guys. But when he has, he's been around long enough now that 
he's been on good many, even though he gets on fewer than the top PBR guys of the, I don't know, I mean the high end bulls, but, uh, but when he's been on them, he's done pretty well, you know? So he has a, he has a pretty strong track record at riding those kind of bulls. Not many guys in the PRCA do right now besides Sage. Well, you're looking at your like career rider rating, the top 200 Kimsey's first ahead of McBride, Mooney, Adriano Marias, Marchi, Leme, Ty Murray, Silvano, Jess, and then Troy yeah. D- Troy Dunn's tenth. J.W. Harris is twelfth. Chris Shivers thirteenth. Like Kimsey is a whole percentage point, like ten percent better than than uh, you have him down. Like Pacheco, Kaike, Kaike is at three seventy, and Sage is at four seventy. Yeah, but that's that rating is not necessarily the most accurate thing ever. If you put all those guys in their prime in the same rodeo, you would have a pretty doggone tough rodeo, right? It would be hard to predict who won it. That's true. But they would all be competitive. And, uh, that, that one, um, measuring it out over time and over different eras and so forth is never going to be exact. No, not at all. They, they, they get a bump in that, too, in that rating. They get a bump from winning world championships and going to the NFR and going to the PBR finals, a different size bump. You get a bigger bump from winning a PBR title than you do the PRCA title. But nonetheless, Kinsey is, is pretty strong in every respect. You know, his, his riding percentage has been way up there when he's faced better bulls. He's consistently ridden. Even though he gets on fewer of them, he rides a good percentage of them. So he doesn't really have any weaknesses. Hmm. Well, that kind of goes back to our conversation we had before we started recording to where you can only put so much value in the, the numbers as opposed to like the performance that you you get from the guys, right? Like when I, that, that, like when I said before with the NHLs and their player pool, it's like, well, sure that the, these analytics are valuable but a lot of them think it's it's bullshit that it you got to like go on the eye test yeah. all the time too and and they have a point there i mean it's easy to come up it's not easy to come up with this but it's easy to come up with lots of different analytics you could i could do that all day long but they're not always really meaningful right i the only purpose of this rating for riders is so that i can tell whether when I'm looking at a bull's record, I want to know how many of these guys he's gone up against. So in that sense, Sage Kimsey is the same as Jack Lock- Jess Lockwood. When I'm looking at the bull, Sage Kimsey is another good rider than that bull has faced. That's so that, that's where that's what I from. use this number for. So we're looking at bulls. So if you're if you're putting uh, weight on the PBR versus the PRCA. How much more is your PBR number over your PRCA number? Uh, you mean the world championship? Yeah, like if you're rating it that way, what? how does that stack up? I don't remember. I've changed it a few times over the years, but I think it's uh, uh, PRCA is worth like something like 0.02 or the uh, PBR might be worth 0.03 points in this, something like that. So not a bunch like different. PRCA is two thirds of the PBR. <laughs> two thirds. So it's sixty six percent. Yeah. Huh. 
I, I'm yeah. wondering because I'm wondering but about this it, list. But here's the thing, though: it's, it's important to remember that my goal is not to decide which writer is better, but to give me a set of writers that are a real test for any bull. So if I see a bull that has a hundred percent buck off and he's he's setting the world on fire, but he hasn't faced any of these guys that have the yellow by their name, then I don't know if his number is real or not until he faces some of them. That makes sense. And that's why Yeah. So that's my that's my purpose in, in that rider rating. It's not to to say that Sage is better than Justin or whatever, but if a bull if a bull's thrown a bunch of those guys off and he's and he's thrown a bunch of those guys that are like Sage, Justin, JB Mooney, Adriano Marais, that's different for the bull. If you were making that list and you had Donnie Gay and you had Sage and you had McBride uh, Silvano, Adriano, how how would you stack them up? Where would you put everybody? How would like if you're putting making a list one to ten in order? Who would you put at the top right now? Jim Sharp, Tough Edelman. How would it, how would it look? Of all time? Of all time, yeah. Because this is something I want to do at some tough, point. I'm wondering. Tough Edelman, a person that I personally is not my favorite person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, but I will say, and I said this, uh, I've, I've had this conversation with Cody Lambert actually. And, uh, and it's a fair, you know, my, my opinion is that the tough road at a really high level for a really long time. I mean, if you look back to his rookie year, the first year that he went to the NFR, he made some amazing rides. And at the end of his career, after he already had a broken neck and everything, he was still doing it at the same level, and he did it the whole time. Hmm. And you could not get the guy on the ground. He got on some trash that should have thrown anybody off, and he was just he miserably sticky. And he's not the nicest person ever either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not I'm not saying that out of a sense of uh, I really admire the guy or he's my buddy or anything, but he was. Uh, Performance-wise, it's hard to argue against him. You know, I think Donnie and Donnie Gay and and Sage have the same uh, have sort of the same thing going on. Uh, Donnie was really committed to winning, and and Sage is too. Well, I think they kind of have a similar mental outlook. They both thought they were the best, and other people look around and thought they were cocky or whatever. But they they did it, you know. Well, and but then I still wonder, like. I still wonder if we count those nine times for well, Donnie, his you could you can't knock anything there because he he well you could you could pick apart a few things, but he won it when that was the only only where to go. Whereas Sage has a choice to go one or the other, and Tuff's the only one to ever win on both sides of it too. So you got to give him props right, yeah, for that. That's another thing too. To win yeah. in the PBR and in the but PRC. I, I mean, just being around at the same time that Tough was, I thought Tough was was the the best bull rider. And and for a year, Jim Sharp was better than him, right? There was the one or two years there one where time. Jim Sharp was just unstoppable. But over over the long haul, you're talking about all time, right? So Jim yeah. Sharp obviously didn't do it for as many years as Tough did. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't the same Jim Sharp at the end of his career, and Tuff was kind of the same Tuff at the end of his career. Hmm. Uh, JB JB Mooney is another. Uh, you know, he's a different kind of cat too. That guy's been on every every rank bull of his day and pretty much ridden all of them. So. Yeah, which is you got to 
count points on that too. But it's only it's only one ride too. Whereas if you're counting over the years, but JB's been to the World Finals 14 times, where Tough went to the NFR 14 times. Donnie, yeah, he would have went to the NFR 10, at least 10 times, right? Maybe 12, 13, 14, 15. Like he went. Yeah, Lacey Kathy did too. Ted Noose went 20 Lacey times Kathy in a row, went didn't he? Jerome Robinson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many he went to, but he went to a lot. And uh, another guy, you you mentioned Adriano before, right? When Adriano first came to the United States, he was a, he was a, he was something else. Everybody was shocked, you know, that a guy come over here from Brazil and just couldn't throw him off, you know? Hmm. I'm wondering if it, what you know, in those days, in those days, uh, James Harper contractor from Louisiana, you know, he he had a pretty good uh, solid ten of bulls in the early days of the PBR, right? Yeah. And in, at that time, James, I heard James say that he would rather have one of his bulls run into a truck than run into Adriana. Holy smokes! <laughs> so, so if we're counting, if we're counting so, points, yeah. like we did before with our list in Canada, a world titles was worth a hundred points. That was in the PRCA because only Daryl and and uh, Cody had won them. It was twenty points to go for an NFR qualification, and it was uh, it was. I think we only give ten for a World Finals qualification because only because you the World Finals takes thirty five guys too. So we gave ten for that, but we gave twenty if you were in the top fifteen. So if we're going down by yeah, those it's numbers. Somewhat- it's, it's somewhat easier to make the PBR finals than it is to make the NFR, but it is easier to win the PRCA than it is to win the PBR. Yeah. I think that too. And I, like, I, w- I would say now that it's almost a point and a half. Like if we're doing 100 for the PB- PRCA, then the PBR should be worth 150 or 200 points if we're putting it on that kind of scale. What do you think, Wacey? Yeah. Like how, would you put, how would you do these things? I agree. With the, double? I, I agree. The point where it's harder to win the PBR World Title as opposed to the PRCA World Title, but it is easier to make the PBR World Finals as opposed to the NFR. Yeah. We have guys up here who didn't leave home and they made make the, the World, the world finals. finals, right? Yeah. So I think by weighting the PBR World Title higher than the PRCA World Title, even doubling it is would be a fair assessment. You think double? And then and then adding adding points for finishing within like the top fifteen of the PBR because that's hard to do. Within the top yeah, fifteen, you've top be ten in the P- PBR extra world committed thing. to get to yeah, those top for sure. levels. For sure. So so even saying that though, you've got Donnie Gay's still got say nine hundred points if you're gonna go that way, because he won the world nine times. He's still gonna be pretty much impossible to beat. Because even closest you're gonna get with Adriano is going to be six hundred points plus qualification. So technically you have to like te- technically Donnie Gay is going to be at the top unless we went at like three because it's not going to we're not going to say the PBR is three times as hard, are we? I wouldn't say I don't that, think no. you can no. you can say it's that much no. harder. But but there hasn't been anybody dominate is. that much more in the PBR though because the competition's so much harder, I think. I think it's harder to dominate like I think Sager, you get all these guys. Know. I mean, none of these guys are dead, right? So you get them all together and you see which one of them can outride Jose Lemmy, and that guy is obviously the best. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what they all think. Though. That's part of can, Yeah, if you can figure that out, let me know. Mechanical, it's, it's it's a hard mecha- mechanical bull riding. Just a straight mechanical yeah. at the ranchman's during Calgary. Yeah. Invite them all up here. Straight competition. Straight up. 
I want to. So I want to ask let, you. Let, I'm, I'm going to put my money on Jose. By the way, so <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Got to put your money on. Oh, even over Jess too, eh? Right now. Uh, I don't know. Are we inviting Jess? That may that may make me change my mind. We can. But I think Jose could outride Donnie Gay right now for sure. Yeah, I I believe you. Would you put them like prime for prime or like? I think prime for prime for sure. No, like Donnie Gay today. <laughs> yeah, well, I would obviously. I would hope so. <laughs> That's true. But what do you think about in the primes, though? <laughs> well, with Donnie, Don, like, it's just such a different competition then, though. It's, Even going it's back to It's so hard tough. comparing that, though. It's like it's like comparing Connor McDavid to Wayne Gretzky right now. Like, yeah. it's, impo- it's impossible. You can't. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But you know what? Uh, you know, I think that Jose is the most, uh, if you watch Jose ride a bunch and you watch Donnie Gay ride a bunch, I think they're very, pretty similar guys. If you watch, uh, if you watch Kaike and Jim Sharp, they're also similar. Really? Similar styles. That's a good point. Yeah. I guess that Kaike is kind of like the hunker down and forget the form, get the horn kind of guy where, well, same with. Yeah, Jose I think he just, too. he just, like Jim Sharp used to ride the same. If you ever watch Kaike's lower body just stays where it's at. Really? The whole time. Jim Sharp was exactly the same way. Huh. And and Jose is a little bit wilder and a little more out of control, but he has excellent balance. That was Donnie Gay to a T in his prime. Yeah. Where like how would you describe Sage and Jess? Sage Sage is more like tough and Jess is more like Justin McBride. Huh. And because Jess uh, Sage Sage really doesn't ever let any bullets not supposed to throw him off, throw him off. You know, like he never lets one get away. He never really makes a mistake. And he, he kind of, uh, uses his, he uses his head, uh, to regain balance a lot. And tough kind of did that too. I don't know. They just, when I watch Sage ride, I, it reminds me of tough at his best. And then, uh, when I watch Jess ride at his best, it reminds me of McBride, you know? One thing I remember about McBride was he used his knees a ton. Is that, would you have that same? Yeah. Finding you rode with his knees a lot. Uh, I think everyone uses their knees, or or they get flipped over the front end and hit in the chin. True, but he really so, like, extended. I think it, to it a looks new level. it looks different for different guys, but I think every every bull rider has to use their knees. And I think uh, we went through a spell there where guys weren't doing it very much, and a lot of guys bucked off all the time because of it. That was kind of that timing when it was you were supposed to lift and reach instead of push. And get out yeah, the get out over the front end. I remember sitting there and watching a bunch of riders at the Derby one year, several, maybe five, ten years ago, and uh seems like every guy went right over the front end. So if you don't want to go over the front end of every bull, use your knees, kids. That's true. Very true. It's all the, it's all the same basic set of mechanics with it, right? Like with your lower body, you bend your knees a certain way, and then you, you just counteract which way the bull's going with your momentum, right? It's It's... Whatever your upper body yeah. does, like those, like if you look at all those guys, like Kaike, Jess, Sage, and Jose or Jose, it's they're still gonna have the same basic mechanic set from like their hips down, essentially, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I'm going off of. If, it's if like I'm going, if you look at the, the few model of teaching guys, it's he he teaches that way. Like it's like starts from your your hips down, and it's that counteracting and using your your legs as your base. I wasn't always taught that way. Though. That was my point. I don't think you can. I don't think you can ride the highest end bulls without jamming a knee into their hump occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You have it's to. Just, they're just too good now. The bulls are really, really, really a lot. I mean, like every bull that these guys get on is potentially, you know, uh, in in Jim Sharp's heyday, he only had to get on the 
tenth round NFR quality bulls maybe six or eight times a year. Now these guys are like fifty times a year the same yeah. kind of bull. Yeah, so, it's completely changed. Yeah, who's your who's going to be your breakout star on the UTB this year? Like maybe a name that people don't know, but is going to be a have a big year and wow everybody this season. Yeah, maybe Dinner Barbosa. Really, and why do you say that? He's always been he's always been uh, good enough, but just not durable enough. And I I think he looks durable enough. I mean, he looks like he's well now, and he's riding like he's supposed to. Also, Colton Jesse looks pretty good. Do you think it's gonna go? We're gonna have a few more Americans be at that elite high level, or is it gonna be the next few years gonna be dominated by Brazil? Uh. It's hard to say. They brought, uh, you know, Alan DeSouza, right? Yeah. He's the one of the twins. That guy's really good. I mean, he doesn't. He. Uh, they brought over a couple of other Brazilians at the finals that were really good. And I like uh, I like Denier Barbosa's chances. I, I don't know, uh, you know, what Americans we have coming up now. Mm, Mason Taylor. Dalen. And uh, and Colton Jesse, who was hurt most of the year last year, those guys have looked good this year. What do you think? What do you think Chase about Dalen? Comes back from his injury, maybe. Dalen is uh, Dalen's an interesting guy. He's a uh, he's a little fragile right now, but he's really young. So I think uh, I think he's potentially could be like Jess Lockwood in a few years, or he's uh, he really reminds me of Glenn Keeley with his spurring abilities, doesn't he? I never thought yeah, of that. He spurs everything, yeah. And spurs it hard and from the top of his years too. Yeah. Yeah, but you can see when he's when he's on better bulls than he looked. There there's a couple of times where you're not sure if it's going to go one way or the other and and if if it's Jess or Jose, you know the bulls not going to get him, right? That's what I mean by a little bit fragile, but he uh he he definitely has a lot of potential swearing. And he's one of the he's one of the uh flashiest guys i've seen come along for the past few years i want to go back into a few more stats quick before we go i know wacy's going to probably fall asleep but how many how many stats do you have on on the site now like how many different different outs are recorded on pro bowl stats are we up in like 30 or forty thousand now i think when we when i first started working with you we got those some of those videos hooked up and stuff it was like you're at like twenty seven thousand, but you must be over like 40 by now no there's forty three thousand bulls Forty-three thousand four hundred and eleven, and there's four hundred forty thousand six hundred ninety-nine outs. How many outs again? Did you say four hundred forty thousand six hundred ninety-nine? Forty four hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> Close to half a million. Half a million. How many per year? That number. I was getting a little mixed up. It's <laughs> it's been a long day. So we're talking. Holy smokes, I'm way off. So you, there was must have been 27,000 bulls a couple of years ago. That's what, what number I was thinking of. We're talking 400. So how many? I've done, yeah, I've done up to up to 30,000 per year. But for the past couple of years, I haven't been able to do but 15,000 or so. So it varies as to what I can get to in a year. But uh, but I have done as uh, for several years in a row, 28, 27,000. Dang, how many how many hours are you at your computer to get all these things inputted? Uh, over the years, less hours than I was in the beginning because, uh, electronic data is, is easier to come by now. Okay. Uh, and you can, so it, you the can ones that are, drop it in easier. Yeah. Like from the PBRs. When from I don't board. have, I can download some data from the PBR and, uh, 
and all I really have to do is correct it, you know, or, or fix the data problems that are there. Yeah. Five or six outs per event that might be the only thing that I have to fix there. The PRCA stuff. And, and even if I have to do it the old fashioned way, I can do it faster because I have better tools. But, yeah. So how many, sorry, go ahead, Wace. I was just thinking of a question. Um, of all the data you gather, what metric would you say is the most valuable in your eyes? For bulls or riders? Either or. For the bulls, I think it's their performance plus the, their power rating number. And for the riders, I think it's their riding percentage against this, that, or the other kind of bull. So their riding percentage overall, their riding percentage against better bulls, some kind of index there. Those are the things that I look at the most. So based on your list, I'm just looking at your at your uh, rider rating. We didn't have Kelly Armstrong on our list of the best guys ever from Canada, but based on your list, he's your number one on your if you're going based on your rider rating, which I find interesting. Yeah, but, but I'm missing I'm missing a couple of guys that should be on your list. Probably Cody Snyder. Yeah, and Daryl. I don't Mills. have any outs from his day, and then also Robert Bowers. Yeah. You have a few Bowers stats, not very many, but there's a few. And yeah, not uh, a few. But Robert Bowers was really quite an impressive bull rider. You know, he also rode with one hand for a while and then started riding with the other hand. Yeah. Just about the same. <laughs> How about this for stats? You've got 111, 112, 113, 114 are all Canadians. How how does that stack up? You've got most of our, a lot of our Canadian guys are all right together on your list but between best plug, Vince Northrup, Tanner Burn, Dakota Butter, they're all in at 259, 258 and 259, all stacked in together. That's kind of yeah, interesting. They're, they're probably pretty close to the, the same level of a guy too, right? If you're looking at the different numbers. But I mean, but Tanner Tanner made our list and Dakota didn't quite make the list yet. And then Vince and Best Plug, like Vince never won a title though. Like he, he competed at the elite level, but never won a title where we were, putting our points on the title so there's kind of you're putting your Ooh. points uh vince northrup he never like he wasn't a canadian champion never really he never won any events at the elite level in the pbr uh never won the pbr canada title. Right, he won right. the finals but never yeah you know and with where best plug won calgary and he won uh won the canadian title two times and he won another the pcb which was before the pbr and then butter was a canadian champion twice as well so it's kind of interesting where with kelly He's really high on your list, but he never won a title where we put a lot of weight on the, that, but you're putting weight on individual rides. Like Kelly was 94 on, the, Kelly was one of the, he rode Mudslinger that at one time in, uh, I don't know, somewhere on the PBR, like on the Bud Light Cups at the time. But Kelly's ranked higher on your list than Tough Hedeman even. But Tough only has 54 outs really? on here too. It might be because I have, it, it could be because I don't have a lot of you don't have much Tom's career. Yeah, you don't have yeah. much of either. I don't have got, I don't have very much of tough either, so yeah. so that's misleading. And, and Ty Murray is probably misplaced on that list too, for the same reason. But if I if you look at guys that I have a whole career for, they would be closer to accurate, I guess. Than, yeah, than that would be. It's interesting though. But Kelly, but if you look at any individual guy on there, if you look at Kelly's numbers, he rode forty six point forty eight percent of the bulls that I got him on. He rode a reasonable amount of the top 1,000 and the 75-plus power rating bulls, those three numbers are pretty heavy in that rating. So what right. you're saying is for Wacy and I, you just caught the wrong part of our careers. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what you're getting uh, to. Well, you know, I don't even know where you're at on that list. I'm probably like, 
I'm probably not actually a 7.5% riding percentage guy. I would take probably myself off the list. Not of last. <laughs> I'm certain you're not last. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was, what else so, we got, Wacey? I had, I want to, I want to ask about the recent, the, uh, the recent, the recent ex- Twitter exchange. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about the With rule your, where you can pick the same bull in the same event? Twitter trolling. Yeah. I really didn't know that until it happened. Me neither. I didn't know about it till I saw it on your uh, Twitter feed slide. Missed it till yeah. then. So, I don't know. I can't really be responsible. I don't really take Twitter very seriously, so I think it's a uh, amusing, uh, amusing thing. <laughs> I Twitter. love Twitter. You know, I, I think that I've been around since the very beginning of the internet. So, in, back in the <laughs> in the early days of the internet, they used to have people who spent a lot of time on email mailing lists or whatever message boards here and there. And uh, it always resulted in the same thing. Some people turned into assholes, and some of them were, and I, I don't know, people were just different online than they were in real life. And I think Twitter is just the same thing, but it's on a massive scale, right? So uh, just before you guys called me, I was actually looking at a bunch of philosophers on Twitter fighting about something. I don't even know what they're fighting about, but it's pretty amusing to see a bunch of philosophers threatening each other, right? I, I did. I did like your tweet about the uh, asking Falesco if, if you can give us some coverage on the next competition committee meeting to confirm it's not just a room of guys playing rock paper scissors on each rule proposal. <laughs> How to check out that one? Yeah. Did, was there I, any repercussion know, on that one, or were you the, good? the guys on the competition committee might get mad at me? But, <laughs> but if they do, they don't like to have. Fun I don't really though. think it's going to make a. You know, the whether a guy can pick the same bull at an event or not is not going to play a big role in the world championship race either way. Well, and, and so I don't think it matters. The same thing too, like, like rewrites. So guys, that the the thing about guys turning down rewrites or taking your rewrite, it's bullshit. In the long run, it's not going to matter. Yeah. It hasn't really made much of a difference so, for anyone it, so far, which you pointed out. Doesn't, it just doesn't happen often enough to make or break anybody. But it's a good talking point for J.W. Hart on TV. It Well, it does mean something. It tells you something about a guy's mental state, and that's something that numbers can't really tell you about. Like, you couldn't say that Chase Outlaw was going to bounce back and be a much better rider than he was before the injury, but that's a mental state thing. That couldn't have been predicted, right? True. So if you see a guy that's always turning down his rewrite and so forth, it says something about their mental state, right? It's true. So it's, it's fair true. to say that, but it's but it's not it's not a major factor in any race, you know, in the long run. I was just gonna say, I think it's a sweet rule. I like I like the, the if you have that option to pick a bull that you rode and won a round on, why yeah. not? Why not? Like, what's the, what's the, Give the guy some advantage. You and should it, be reward. You should actually like almost like a reward to have first dibs if you're coming into the short round as the top guy. You should be able to pick whichever bull you want. Shouldn't be restricted by oh you rode that one well, already. And it makes it easier on the fans too. I think to not have some stupid little rule that's just kind of like a. It's probably a rule from the rodeo world where a guy guy thought it was cheating, so that's why it happened. When really it makes it easier on everybody to just let it o- like open it up for everyone. Right? It's just another dumb rule. Kind of like I don't know. There's some there's some stuff that. Could probably be still improved on in our sport. Well, there's a lot of stuff. There's always lots of stuff we can improve on, but interesting that way to just abolish it and let her buck, right? One guy might get really friendly with the bull and decide to like kind of pick that one every dang time. You look look at like an example I would use is Jess and Heartbreak Kid. 
You're yeah, telling me if Jess, that one. You're, you're telling me like if he rides him in the same event, or he's not going to pick him again. Yeah, can, like right? it's a no-brainer. Like it'd be crazy not to, right? That's yeah, but true. why would anyone else want to pick Heartbreak Kid? True, they won't. So he could have that one anyways. But at least this way, he could be 95 so, twice in one weekend. Yeah. So there's an aspect of the draft that might that let's say if uh, if the same thing that happened with Lemmy this weekend keeps on happening, at some point you might see a rider take a bull so another rider won't be able to get it. Ooh, interesting. I don't think they think about that now, but I've seen this happen before where where uh, Lemmy or Lockwood or somebody was down in the and they left a bull for him that was going to be perfect hmm. and probably would have been pretty good for the other guy too. And it would have been smart for that guy to pick that bull so that Lemmy wouldn't win the event <laughs> from huh. behind, you know, so I maybe they're maybe that's a thing that's coming. Who knows? Hmm. Well, how much different do you think the rules would be if you were on the competition committee? <laughs> Haven't <laughs> well, seen all what the would be your first rule amendment. Yeah, what would you put in? I'm curious. Oh man, I don't even I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go there. No. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of rule books. If you read, <laughs> if you ever sit down and read the PRCA's rule book, I've been through it a couple times. I know that at one point there's like you know there's a story you know there's a story there behind every rule right oh yeah like I wonder sure. what happened that made them write this down <laughs> oh yeah that's something a, that's funny guys yeah. just listen to uh, spit chicklets on the way over here it's like a hockey podcast and they had Sean Avery on and he's like was a notorious agitator in the NHL like had a reputation of being just a jackass and they actually like a Matthew Kachuk kind of guy yeah so they made they did a they're playing How many times the did he turtle he's playing for the Rangers and they're playing and they're playing the New Jersey Devils in the playoffs and they're on a power oh, play yeah. and Sean Avery stood in front of Martin Brodeur and faced him and started waving his arms in front of his and Martin Brodeur and like distracting him and they eventually scored on that power play and they made a rule the day after and they got called the Sean Avery rule. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to hear this story. No rules. waving your, yeah. your hands in front of the net at the goalie? Yeah, it's kind of funny to think about it's like, kind of a bullshit the story rule, behind the rules. Though, like why not? Like why is it a, why is why can't you do that? And that's what the, the ref the ref at the time Sean was telling the story and he's like yeah the ref was telling him like he's like hey you can't do that it's like kind of the scene from semi pro when they do the first alley oop it's like <laughs> uh that was traveling he's like no was it wasn't. <laughs> it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah i'm not sure if they still have do they still have a traveling rule in the nba <laughs> i don't know <laughs> doesn't seem like it lebron doesn't yeah. a lot of people are breaking it if they do what uh we got to ask one last question slade we already got kind of at our time on here what's your definition of cowboy shit since we're on the show uh what's my definition of it yeah well how would you define it well i would look in the dictionary and i'm pretty sure if i looked up cowboy shit in the dictionary it would have a picture of jb mooney next to it it's true i like it right so basically anything jb does okay sounds like a sounds like a great definition thanks slade what do you got ways i was just gonna ask i kind of going back kind of circling back uh aside from like bull riding what kind of sports do you follow closely yeah besides college football with congratulations to the tigers by the way yeah i watch football i played football when i was younger so uh so i'm pretty i'm pretty into football when i was when i was a little kid i think on the peewee football teams i i used to be a pittsburgh Steelers fan back in the days when terry bradshaw was the quarterback so nice so I used to be big into football until I found out I wasn't as fast as I thought I was. <laughs> and uh, and they gave me positions where I had to think about stuff. I didn't like that part of it. <laughs> this show's uh, going out the week of the Super Bowl. Who you got? The Chiefs or the Niners? Oh, geez. 
I'm, I haven't even looked at that since the Saints lost. So okay, if the Saints were in it, I would pick the Saints. And if, since the Saints aren't in it, I'm not even watching it. Now. Don't care anymore. Oh, man. I do got to say I'm a big Drew yeah. Brees, Brees fan. And I really don't understand hockey. I know you guys are hockey fans <laughs> and everybody else in Canada is a hockey fan. Man, I, don't, I don't understand hockey. So. But the nearest team, the nearest team to you would be the Stars, Dallas, or would it be like a Florida team? Don't they have a? Do they have a uh, team in New Orleans, like a minor league? Team? I think there's like an, S, there's like an SPHL East or an East Coast East, East Coast team. I think the SP is the one in the South. SPHL. I have some buddies playing down there. Either way, there's not a lot of ice around me. I can remember <laughs> when I was a little kid, we would go to Dallas occasionally, and they had an ice skating rink in Dallas, and that was pretty cool. Uh, and I learned how to ice skate. I already knew how to roller skate, but uh, we just don't have enough ice for kids to grow up thinking about hockey here, you know? So Yeah. We'll have to get you up here and get you on some skates. Give it a whirl. Wacy, who do you got in the Super Bowl? I don't, I'm the, I don't, don't watch football. Either? Yeah, no. Jeez. I'm more worried about the Battle of Alberta coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm more of a hockey guy, but yeah. I do think the... Uh, in the Super Bowl, uh, I, I would have to go for the 49ers. But are the 49ers in the Super Bowl? Yeah, San Francisco, KC. Mahomes, yeah. Garoppolo. Okay. For one reason. For one reason, because of uh, George Kittle. Oh, yeah, Kittle, yeah. Was he the one wearing that shirt yeah, with that, Jimmy Garoppolo shirtless last night? That's a scary guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but KC's got Mahomes. That guy's pretty good at the foosball, too. Yeah, I haven't really watched them this year. I think Tyran Matthew plays for them, though, doesn't he? I don't defenses. know. I don't know. <laughs> getting too deep for us. But George Kittle, George Kittle is a genuinely scary human being. Huh. Okay. We'll leave it at that. George Kittle's a scary human being. <laughs> this has been episode 57. <laughs> Cowboy Show with Ted and Wasey. Thanks to our guest, Mr. Slade Long, Pro Bowl Stats. Appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. No problem. All right. We'll uh, catch you guys next time. Cowboy Shit. Thanks for listening. No.